podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, your Deep Space Nine podcast that comes out so infrequently. But mostly that's my fault. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I am a security officer, and I've had enough of this. If we were guilty, we wouldn't even be here right now. Thank you, Odo. You're uh, welcome. So, patrons uh, would know that the DS9 episode has been done for many weeks. How many weeks prior did, did our Patreon get it? Let's see. Uh, let's see. It came out on November 9th. November 9th, and Andy finally got tired of asking me to put it up and actually published it when? Uh, a few weeks later. <laughs> I can no, but, but like... The exact you know, time? I, I'm see. the guy. I put it up. Yeah. <laughs> And every time I was like, it went up on November 24th. So theoretically I should have, I myself should have, should have acted quicker also. Well, I'm just saying, if you want them on time, you just head over to the Patreon. Um, (laughs) This this wasn't intended as a, as a holding you guys hostage. So you have to go to the Patreon. It just, uh, it just functionally turns out that way sometimes. Look. This is a little bit related to uh, hail we're going to have later in the show, but Andy's a completionist, as we all know, and he uh, we can't record a Deep Space Nine until everybody hears it because we need to have everybody's hails. That's, so that's, that's my that's my stumbling block. That's his. That's the Andy Secunda completionist vibe. You know, we're all familiar with it. Me, I'd like to record ahead someday, but it's never going to happen. Anyway, I didn't put the episode out for three weeks. I really fucked up everybody. I'm sorry. Andy saved the day. I saved the day by doing the you minimum. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, where the minimum is our maximum. <laughs> That's a great. It's I don't know if it's great, but that is accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little. It's a, it's a slice of us. Anyway, look, uh, we're here to talk about an episode called Vortex, or no, not the Vortex, just Vortex. Uh, DS Nine, season one, chugging along. Here we go. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? Sure, a lot of changeling stuff. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Some of it. <laughs> like there's like a, there's like an act, there's like two acts of like decent material in this. I mean, obviously. And a lot of it I think hinged for me on performances, but we'll get into this oh, all later. That is this is uh, going to be a very interesting discussion because I I had some opinions myself. It's about time we had one of those. Uh, folks, we're gonna we're gonna open up the hail bag and talk about the Nagus. Let's 
it's been so long. Everyone's been asking about we have, it. We have other things to do first. Uh, oh, yeah, this is uh, the regular show, not the Patreon. It's not streamlined like the two-hour and 46-minute episode. I will say it is astonishing. I was making Matt was, was fucking sitting there waiting for me. I already delayed an hour and said, can I have another hour? And then I delayed even more because I always forget how long it's going to take to prep uh, the main pod versus the Patreon episodes because there's, there's so many Andy more comments and who's like let's record D Space Nine tomorrow. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, right. he knows yeah. what that entails. I sh- be I sh- to go. Yeah, no, I've never. I, that's my that's my problem. His problems are in the post. My problems are in the yeah. pre. Anyway, and together, here we are. We're a failure. Irregular. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Admirals Club. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. And how do they get into the Admirals Club? Just leave a five-star review of this podcast wherever you're getting said podcast. Could be a Spotify, could be like a, through the mail. Maybe somebody records it on cassette for you and sends it your way. Well, Spotify would be nice. A lot of listeners on Spotify, I bet. Actually, you know what? Uh, this is, uh, is going to open up a can of worms right here. I don't think skip the can of worms and continue. I don't think we're on Spotify. Um, and people have written in saying, "Hey, can you get us on Spotify?" And I, I don't know that I've. Aren't I we might have... on Spotify because the gentleman sent the tweet that had the screen cap of Spotify cataloging the longest podcast he listened to this year, being the two hour and forty six minute episode of. Was that from Spotify? Oh, well, then I stand yeah. corrected. There you go. It's okay. If that's wrong, you guys know where to reach us. I can't check. I don't have it. So <laughs> somebody else check. Whatever the case, uh, the only one I check is the uh, is the Apple iTunes reviews. But we would love to be uh, for you know people who are misguided enough to like us to say elsewhere. So just send it in from other send uh, email in the uh, the screenshot, and uh, you'll be included in the Admirals Club. Like this, he just explained it. He just explained it himself. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> Never mind. Just keep going. Uh, RCR12345 uh, re- gave us a five-star review and said, Great podcast. Now that I'm a member of the Admirals Club, I just want to thank everyone who supported me along the way. Um, this one is uh, says, It's an old review, but can I get to the Admirals Club for some good mac and cheese now? I'm the captain now. Does this... Wow. Do we have mac and cheese in the Admirals Club or is it just There is, but it's a different levels? quality. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not as good. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Um and his review was, "Do you still love uh Star the, Trek?" The mac and cheese here has that crumbly shit on the top. Yeah. But if you go into the president's circle, uh-huh. It's 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 like that Stouffer's pan bake. Oh man, it's the best. Oh, wow. Um, let's see what I got here. There's also lobster mac and cheese for Andy in the corner. Nobody touch it. It's Andy's. Uh, how do you feel about a lobster mac and cheese, Matt? Why don't we get fully it's off, fine. off? It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I like both things on their own. I don't need them together. Uh-huh. But it's good. Right. Um, this was from... Uh, Paul, Paul Patton. Um, and so he says, 
Do you love Star Trek? Do you like Matt Myra? STTNC is a fun podcast with Matt and Andy stumbling through the Star Trek The Next Generation's episodes. That's how old this this thing was. He was he sent wow. it in to me. Thrilled to their errors, screamed to their inaccuracies, get through another dull hour at the office listening to Andy's unique theories. Welcome to the Admiral's oh, Club, Paul. You made I it. I had an idea. Ooh. That I meant to tell you about. Or uh-huh. ask you about. Okay. Should probably, we should, probably should have done this off the air. Am I you re, you re, recasting remember. me? <laughs> <laughs> what if I idea? did both jobs? <laughs> uh, It'd be an no, interesting thought thinking, experiment to see if the show would be longer or shorter. <laughs> well, as you know, season three of Picard is coming. Yeah. Right? Sure. Uh, so let me just see, get a date on that if they have announced it yet. Okay. Do you want me to read another thing February 16th it comes out okay I was thinking we release onto this feed the old season two episodes we did in the Patreon Mm -hmm. so that people who might be catching up on Picard find our show Mm -hmm. and then get tricked into listening to us right (laughs) yeah I mean, well, you're the captain. Whatever you think is go. better for the podcast, <laughs> suckers. The only thing, the only thing that is that is um, would be a controversial point from my perspective is we're so negative <laughs> in those Picard oh, episodes. Deservedly, deservedly so. It's the worst television show. I've ever I seen. mean, I'm not going to dispute that our our opinions. I agree with you, but I. It's just like, are we going to put off people who are like, oh boy, I want to check out, I want to hear some people talking about this show that I'm choosing to watch every week. How many, how many of those I are going to want? The, Here's the, what I imagine. The people acid that we have to deliver them. People watch it and... Uh, and go, oh, this is bad. Am I crazy? This is bad, right? I got to uh-huh. hear other people talk about this. Oh, okay. It is. But would they have gotten <laughs> to see? Oh, I see. I gotcha. Imagine. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, sure. You're the you're the captain. Anything you think is good for the pot, I'm, I'm on board with, generally speaking. Not always, but generally. Yeah. Well, anyway. All right. Business uh, interesting. over. Resume pod. <laughs> Sh- should I run a poll? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, Andy loves a poll. Uh, where's the Where's the jingle? Basnati three. This is the last uh, Admirals Club admittee. Says finally found the perfect Star Trek podcast ellipse. But I listen to this one more. <laughs> so like perfect, that. perfect mislead. zinger. Good mislead. That's it for the Admirals Club. That's how you do a punchline, folks. Um. That's it for the Admirals Club. Let's get out of here. And that was the Admirals Club. And here. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Welcome to the President's Circle, where the lobster is covered in cheese, surrounded by macaroni. Uh, good to be here. This is our Patreon. This is the elite circle of patrons, the folks who, you know, just sort of, they are the dilithium that powers my warp engine. Uh, Andy, you take these Priority One messages. Of course, the President's Circle has Priority One access to us. 
via Patreon. You pick a comment that you think is, oh, this is just too much. I love it. And you make that the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor winner. Who's got it right now? It's your old friend, Matt, Lieutenant Tom Bondurant. Son of a bitch. Uh, I thought you love him. Um, uh, and uh, he responded to my uh, my my quandary uh, about the Flash Superman comic. This, um, this is rigged. This the Pike Medal of Valor is rigged. Should, shouldn't go to this. <laughs> Andy's personal questions are getting answered, and you're <laughs> getting a I medal. wanted to give him credit. You Continue. Continue. All right, I'll read this other one. Andy is so no, handsome. Oh, boy. Oh, Andy's no. so funny and handsome. <laughs> Andy sounds really handsome. <laughs> um... Uh, anyway, Andy, my DC nerddom sent me down the rabbit hole on your Flash, Reverse Flash, Superman story. Right now it might be Flash 175. Second Soup's Flash race staged by aliens who turn out to be Abracadabra and Reverse Flash in disguise. It sounds fantastic, by the way. And then there's another suggestion. Um, and then his update uh, was the correct one. It could be DC Comics Presents numbers one and two, July, August uh, September, October 1978. Soup's Flash t- team up, which roped in Reverse Flash as well. That's basically DC Comics Presents 1. It ends with Flash waking up, Zoom beating him up, and then to be continued. Um, so. Well, that's in your wheelhouse, 78. For sure. Um, which is why I think I had it. And that was the one. And I, I uh, sadly, I didn't see your post before I went through an obsessive hole and figured it out myself but uh i really i want to give you credit for for figuring it out because it was a tough one because i didn't give you all the information first of all i don't there is no flash race a superman flash race it just has them it looks like they're racing and so that's why it registered that way in my mind um and i bought these two things so i could reread them as an adult and uh it's a very interesting story um, that really ties into a lot of other other sort of Star Trekky things, but it's one of the most complicated comic books in terms of of the level of exposition. At a certain point, there are like time charts, and the, these aliens come. They've been warring for centuries. Humanity as a side plot was created off of the exhaust of an organic spaceship that they fly in. So Superman can't fuck with them, otherwise he'll erase human life on Earth. And that's not even the main thing. It's about ending their war. It's just like, it's astonishing, the level of complication. And even as an adult, I started to read it, and I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I can get through this. Just because it was so dense. It was, it's crazy. So uh, the one I was thinking of was the 60, 1967. Okay. And it's this cover here, who is the fastest man alive. Right. That's, that's what a lot of people had sort of and, sent But in. the hilarious thing about this, Andy, is this ad on the back. Okay. Which you can tell it was 1967. Mattel's <laughs> new M16. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, it's not even just a toy gun. It's specifically an M16. <laughs> If you think this gun looks great, wait till you hear it. 
Wow. Here's the most authentic looking and sounding rifle you've ever seen. Just pull back the cocking lever and this amazing gun is ready to fire. Brap! You can squeeze off single shots or brap for short bursts. So Listen amazing. to this. Keep cocking the fantastic M16 Marauder and you can cut loose with a solid blast almost a whole minute long, over 50 rounds. <laughs> a handgun's not enough. Get yourself an assault rifle, rifle kids. <laughs> and all with the loud, realistic sound of an actual M16 rifle. And another neat thing about Mattel's new M16. It doesn't have any caps, no batteries either. You'll never have to reload. So get on target. Get Mattel's new M16 rifle. It's the greatest. It sounds just like the M16 your father probably used in Vietnam. No, it's, it's the it's your older brother. Your older brother. That's, that's true. Um... So anyway, thank you, thank you for writing in, Tom. Uh, thank you for everybody else for your guesses. Uh, your your reward for helping my brain is a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Um, now let's open up the Priority One messages proper. Here we go. Um. Captain, incoming message. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Um, uh, Dashnell wrote in uh, regarding my interaction with Robert uh, Hewitt Wolf, the uh, famed DS9 writer. Yep, I consider a lot of people enjoyed that interaction that I had with the party where I was nerding out with someone and didn't realize that it was um, one of the best DS9 writers. And then at the end of the conversation, I was like, oh, <laughs> actually, I think it was later on I realized that even after I walked away from him. Um, yep, I consider him, Iris Stephen Bear, and Ronald Moore as the trio who elevated DS9 into best Trek status. He wrote some of the best episodes, including the season five finale, which I give, which I feel gives best of both worlds a run for its money. He later created Andromeda. Oh, wow, I didn't know that either. But got pushed out due to Kevin Sorbo wanting it to be less an ensemble series. <laughs> Good call, Kevin. Um... But a uh, wise man whose <laughs> whose whose great thoughts would only grow in stature. Uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, actually uh, Mr. Wolf and I have exchanged uh, texts since then. Uh, I was able to tell him what the Flash story was, um, and I said, "I don't have to tell you if you want to keep guessing." He said, "No, no, just tell me." And I told him, um, and we've been meaning to meet up for lunch, and it should become as it should be hilarious to all you. People that would be desperate to have lunch with a giant like him. I've been, I've had, my brain has been so fried. I haven't been able to set up the meeting with him. And I, I really look forward to it because he seems like a delightful, brilliant nerd. You also work. So it's like, I also work. Know. So it is hard. That is fair. <laughs> it's four days a week where you're fucked. Yeah. Um, but one would think someone with a with a podcast where I'm going through it. What I want to do is keep keep that in mind so I can send him when I have my Secunda questions, and we want to know well what was going on in the room. I can shoot him the thing, and he can respond to me days later when I'll forget to put it on the pod. Um, Neil Stud says. Uh, when the Vulcan walked through the promenade at the end, I thought we were going to discover that there really was a homework-stealing Vulcan on the station. <laughs> it does seem to linger <laughs> on him, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, that would have been spectacular. Um, the Vortex trailer was taken down from YouTube for some reason, but if you go to this TrekCore link, there's a download button at the bottom of the page, so I don't, I don't know if we oh, need well, it now. But, that, yeah. 
Um, but FYI, Matt, there might be some Trek Core uh, trailers if we're missing Trek Core is the greatest archival website of all time for Star Trek stuff, including Co- like obscure sound effects and screen caps. It's amazing. Cosmo and James Moore, um, father and son, two more Moores, uh, say, uh, counting down the days till we get the Defiant, which is, uh, <laughs> which is uh, even as someone who has not experienced it except for maybe little snippets and clips and stuff, I feel that, like particularly in this episode, when Odo's going out into the Gamma Quadrant and he's running into trouble, I'm like, oh boy, I bet they if they had the Defiant, this would be helpful. You know, you're not wrong. I'm seeing a little bit of on Matt's face. He's not saying stuff, so it tells me to back off. Well, I, I, I was talking. You're not hearing me. No, no, just in terms of... Uh, in terms of spoiler stuff sometimes you have very specific oh. i'm not saying things spoiler face that well, may not all be I it say is that there's nothing no spoilers the defiant arrives uh season four i think what i think you've told me that again recently i can't believe it's that far off or maybe three hang on I think hang three. on Kristen Bracken in the meantime hang on hang on we gotta figure this out when's the Defiant show up uh let's see Kristen Bracken in the meantime says this episode has one of my favorite DS9 easter eggs if you look at the Okudagram over Chief O'Brien's left shoulder at time code 731 you'll see aliens from the season 2 TOS episode Cat's Paw from that episode's time code 4828. That's fantastic. Season three, episode one. Season three. So All right. Defiant is coming sooner. So about sooner than Worf. Four years. And he's season four? Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Josh Buddy writes, couple things. Uh, I think the Remler array would be more like a space enema or a space detox than a space colonoscopy. After all, they already know that they have an excess of whatever particles, so no need to get that checked up on just to get Barian on with the treatment. Barian particles. Come on, man. <laughs> it's a Barian sweep. <laughs> and then number two, I recall Armin saying the Ferengi were actually space Americans, not space Jews. I looked up the interview. Here was his quote. Ferengi are us. That's the gag. The Ferengis are humans. They're more human than the humans on Star Trek because they're so screwed up. And they're so dysfunctional. They're regular people. There you have it. The Ferengi are Andy. <laughs> um, and then he has a link. Um, and then I'm going to go. I, there, we're, in a, we're in a little bit. I, someone even made a, a uh, well, to me, a very unwarranted jingle at some point that I tie things back into being Jewish. I think if you look at the bulk of the episodes, this is like the Kirk kissing people thing. I barely ever talk about it. However, we were in a, uh, a Jewish heavy segment so if you don't want to hear it skip ahead if you're that kind of person um but i feel like <laughs> even i'm confused by what you're saying but i'm gonna stay here and listen well i've well, i haven't said what i'm saying yet no no this your preamble i'm confused by <laughs> i'm saying that in the past i thought it was clear in the past there was a jingle about me tying everything back into being jewish oh okay 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 that was the part I missed. Okay. Um, and uh, so I was saying, if you listen to the episodes, I think you'll see that the bulk of them, I don't <laughs> mention anything. 
if not 98%. Uh, however, this one, I am going to mention it because there's a couple of different things. One thing, in regarding to the Frankie being regular people uh, or just humans, I think that's certainly fair and maybe even was consciously what Roddenberry was intending. But uh, they're coded in the classic caricature of Jews. And uh, Knickknack Tabasco actually has a more direct reaction to it. Look, I'm 50 this year, and despite my rejection of DS9 in my youth, wait, it was, yeah, watching it again has improved, improved a bit in my estimation. The acting, the writing, even my hate for the Avery Brooks choice is waning a bit, uh, though I will never forgive him for that beach scene. I don't know if you meant choices. <laughs> and Armin Shimmerman could honestly have won an Emmy for his performance, but the Ferengi race is without a date, a doubt the most open, openly and long-running anti-Semitic trope in a mainstream show, a supposedly progressive show that, uh, at that, their voices are whiny, they're greedy, they're duplicitous, they're constantly lying, they're weak bullies, like when Nog puts his bar-cleaning punishment on his son. Instead of big noses, they have big ears. They treat their women poorly, and the woman, women are off-screen, and despite their tricky nature, they can be tricked themselves into venal ways in venal ways by stroking their ears. This isn't intentional Jewish humor like Seinfeld, Kirby Enthusiasm, Ross on Friends, Seth Rogen, Jufro jokes. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> like how Ross on Friends got in there. <laughs> he was definitely him and Monica were supposedly Jewish. <laughs> um, this is just ridic- ridiculous. Uh, and this Nagus episode is the epitome of it. Jewish actors playing most of the Ferengi roles doesn't somehow excuse it. They're just doing good jobs acting the nasty stereotype and justifying it uh, that it, it that way comes uh, across a bit like saying the N-word and claiming, but I have black friends. If I hadn't stopped watching DS9 by this episode, this would have stopped me uh, anyway, even when I was younger. I picked it up later, but never shook my dislike for this. Um, and uh, I think this is all valid. I think they're, they, if you look at the, the classic stereotypes, it's mostly about, it's, the, it's all the caricature points plus the obsession with gold. It's like irrefutable. Now, if you look at it over the spectrum of all of Star Trek and the use of Ferengi, which obviously they've shown different, you know, shades of Ferengi and different personalities and stuff. Um, and, uh, and you question sort of the intent, then it gets muddier over time. And I certainly am not watching it the whole time thinking of this. I just think you can't say that it didn't, you know, it didn't start from some weird, even if it's a, a subconscious coding. Um, so it is of note. I don't. I'm not saying well, it's like a throw the, the show away of note, but yeah. The Ferengi's first introduction. They're not. They're not like that at all. What do you mean? They're not about profit. They. They're just aliens that hate humans. When they're first encountered. No, they are. On they. TNG. They spot the the gold badge and they're obsessed with it. Yeah. Oh my god. Andy. <laughs> I'm not saying it was conscious. I'm just saying it's there. Um so this this ties ties into my second thing and then I will depart from this. Denise from New York and many other people when I brought up Andor said, "Oh man, 
Andy and or so freaking good. You'll love it. You'll have to watch it. Other people had much even more elaborate glowing things to say. I have watched it. I concur. It is a masterwork. It is one of the greatest modern Star Wars things. I think you will love it, Matt. It's very protocol and specific to like, oh, this happens at this level and this is why this happens and, you know, and just sort of analyzing the Star Wars universe in an adult way. The performances are fantastic. Um, All that being said, (laughs) to tie it into the prior thing, there is one character in the middle. It's pretty clear what it is if you watch the show um, that sort of alters the turn of one plot line in a way that is problematic. I think... Tony Gilroy is a genius. I would love to work with him or even meet him. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm hoping, and I've seen no evidence of anti-Semitism in any of the rest of his work. I don't see it anywhere in the rest of Andor. In this one character, it sort of turns it in a weird way that if you are interested after you've watched it, I don't even think you should watch it, you should read this before, but after you've watched it, uh, there is a Salon article on Andor and I would check that out because it talks about the the sort of coding of that character. Um, and look, I'm saying this as someone who I'm sure across the spectrum of my career and in the future, I will mistakenly stumble into this area, code things in a way that's out of my own ignorance or blindness. Um, and, uh, and, you know, this shit can happen. Uh, I'm just saying it's good to to note it all that being said fucking fantastic star wars show so entertaining you should definitely check it out <laughs> um anyway that's all that denise didn't help that that character was called tova middlestein <laughs> that's the actress right <laughs> no is, is there an actress named tova? i know oh. it's a tova feldsha feld Feldshoe? That's Feldshoe? the that's her that's the actress's name, right? The actress that's named Tova, yeah. But is yeah. she in the she's not in Andor, is she? I, if she played that character, I would lose my mind. That would be so funny. Let me see. Maybe I'm off no. in, in no. space here. All right, we're gonna have to circle back to this. <laughs> we're gonna have to take a Tova minute. This is our Tova breakdown. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. Um it's not that one. Oh, this is so. Here it is. Oh, this is. I didn't want to go further into this. Uh, this thing. I was wrapping up. <laughs> this, is, this is on Matt. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um. There's that character. There's that character. I can't find the. She was in Harry Potter. Catherine Hunter. Okay, so it's not. <laughs> so it's my own. That's my she own. Play, she does play Edie Carr. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but it's my own, my own uh, uh, subconscious anti-Semitism that I, that I was like, yeah, her name's Tova. <laughs> Yikes. So anyway, um, it's real good, nonetheless. It's a lot of, mm, lot of conflicted know. feelings about that character. I don't like this. Yeah, it's it's problematic. Um, Denise from New York also says he Matt's doing the thing where he doesn't care about spoilers, so he's just reading ahead. Um, I encourage no, you to watch I'm, it. I first. was like looking at that salon article. Yeah. 
Denise from New York says, too late of a comment for the previous episode to this one, but now when I'm out on walks with my dog and we're all done, I've started to tell him, telling him to move along home. <laughs> little, little dog-themed palate cleanser. Ben Plavin says, if I was O'Brien, I would have called Nog's bluff and dragged him down to Odo's office and had Nog swear out a warrant for the homework-stealing Vulcans. I think this is fair. Um, Again, I, I really wish that the, that was the button at the end of the episode. Vulcan <laughs> running around stealing homework. It's very funny. Um, and then I don't know. We were trying to figure out because we were in the Patreon and Matt brought up the rye bread debate. And I was like, which one did we do it on? People have mentioned it in these hails. So I feel like it's we mentioned it if if it wasn't didn't originate in the in the main feed um it uh, must have been mentioned um so where is it now here we go so to answer we we ran a poll (laughs) because matt hates rye bread and uh and we ran a poll because i was like most people love rye bread you're crazy we got a big big debate about it the results of the rye bread poll, simply yay or nay, 70% yay, 30% nay. A lot of funny um, and and impassioned comments. Um, and the one that I enjoyed the most was Ryan Maizano, who says, perhaps today is a good day for rye. Folks, welcome to the Star Trek deli. Um, it also spurred a lot of discussions about food but i was trying to keep it a little bit more concise which you will see i have failed to um jonathan feller says hey matt and andy oh sorry this is both about food and about jewishness um this is something that we're struggling (laughs) with in jewish communal spaces but you want, and I was like, what is this about? But you want to be careful equating Ashkenazi, Central and Eastern European Jewish culture as a catch all. Don't get me wrong. I love, and I was like, wait, what did we say? What happened? And I realized it was because we were referring to Jewish culture as a catch all for food. So our, uh, our Achilles heel as we were talking about food and then we stumbled into a weird area. Don't get me wrong. I love bagels, a good pastrami on a Kaiser roll, matzo ball soup. That's only a small part of the Jewish culinary offerings. You sound Sephardic. I don't care for your food either. <laughs> no, no, Matt, no. You guys are overspicing, okay? You guys found the salt. Put it away. <laughs> As a Cuban, Matt feels like he's safe in this area. I'm not sure he is. In fact, L.A. has some of the largest Persian, Iraqi, and Syrian Jewish communities in the U.S., I wanted to draw attention, as this is the first of many Ferengi episodes, and I'm sure correlation to Ashkenazi culture will come up again. That being said, I have a strong aversion to caraway seeds, so definitely on Team Matt on fry bread. Thank you. <laughs> so Welcome. Lieutenant John Zhu says, I've watched the entire DS9 series probably 10 times, but something struck me in my most recent rewatch. Odo is very good at solving crimes, but he doesn't seem very good at preventing them. Granted, it's a big and messy station, not a starship ship, which points the uh, which po- which the show points out on multiple occasions. But the security breaches are serious, high level failures. 
In this episode, for instance, someone managed to fly a locator bomb within inches of the Frankie head of state, and randomly civilian and random civilians and visitors to the station were able to open an airlock, an empty airlock, to lay a death trap for the leader of an entire race. Go back to the passenger episode, and you'll have an entire security protocol designed to protect a shipment of Deridium, but fails to do just that. And the station dodges disaster only because Lieutenant Primen discovers a second sabotage device that would have shut down the computer system, which Odo overlooked in his security sweep, even after the computer was sabotaged in the exact same way earlier in the episode. I love Odo, but it is funny to look back on the series and think that maybe he should have been chief investigator instead of chief of security. I mean, look at this, like, murder he's present for. (laughs) He doesn't prevent in this episode. It's also a really valid point. (laughs) Why didn't you stop the murder? I was glass. What? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't blow my cover. I was a glass. Um... What would what would uh well, I guess we'll get into it. <laughs> what would um um our old friend uh Maurice Hurley have to say? Jason <laughs> Jason Randall says, uh man, I wish they could have used the intro of the Nagus to explain the evolution of why the Ferengi went from a secretive species in hiding to opening their doors to elicit commerce with all species. I mean that massive decision would have happened under this particular Nagus's reign which would have made him the most beloved Nagus. Uh, instead, we get Dan Aykroyd's judge from Nothing But Trouble as a Ferengi. <laughs> um, I believe I've... How, how would this have come up before? How would Dan Aykroyd's nothing, judge in Nothing But Trouble We've come talked up about it. We've 100% talked about Why? it. Why? Why would that have I, come up? I don't know. Because the thing I enjoyed the most is the behind-the-scenes footage of him him directing and in that makeup going, all right, let's go, let's go, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> um, My Kira- dick nose is falling off. <laughs> Kieran O'Sullivan uh, writes, Move Along Home was the episode that made me give up on watching DS9, and I got to admit, if I had stuck it out and watched The Nagus, I still would have given up on the show. Oh, boy, <laughs> this is not my cup of tea, Earl Grey, hot. Thankfully, I now have you guys to make it worth watching. The stinkers like these two episodes. TNC is the good pizza that covers up the bad pizza. Thank you, Kieran. Appreciate that. Lieutenant Dashnell also says this is uh, the first of many episodes where Ben and Jake's relationship brought me to tears. I just wanted to have this counter thought. I had forgotten that the B story was uh, the B story and was having a blast with Wallace Shawn's laugh. When bam, sweet father son moment to let us know that Jake Cisco is the heart of the show. Do you agree with that, Matt? Is he the heart of the show? I think their relationship is the heart of the show. Mm. Mark T says regarding the discussion about reusing uniforms, I've never really understood why it's so cost prohibitive to make uniforms for each character. Star Trek Generations had a $35 million budget. They really couldn't afford to make Geordi his own uniform or Riker? So confusing to me. And when we see the early TNG episodes... Let me tell you why, everyone. With Stripe on the shoulders. Well, I only finished this in later TNG. I find it pretty obtrusive. But TNG uniforms with stripes on the shoulders in later TNG seasons. I find it pretty obtrusive. Couldn't they just cut off the top part of the costume and sew on black metal on their shoulders? Is that really so expensive? Please explain, O oh glorious television gods. Please continue, Matt. Uh, so, 
what you're looking at are custom builds. So they're custom. It's like getting a suit made, right? So you go get a suit made at a tailor, and depending on where you go, that suit's going to be a lot more expensive than buying a suit off the rack. Right. Because they're going to show you the fabric, cut the fabrics, measures, all that shit. So what happens in a wardrobe department is the wardrobe head will start billing the production hourly, (laughs) and it would take somebody, you know... I mean, anyone else, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing they'd probably bill, like, 12 hours a costume. <laughs> and then right. you're looking at, like, and if they have to do everybody's background and the crew, it's going to run you many thousands of dollars. You know, so. It's a good explanation. Because you know they they build they build you get billed for crazy shit in TV. You do. Everybody. Everything is also more expensive once you're in show business. It's yeah, because prices are jacked up. Everything is last minute. Everything is custom made. It's just everything that would cost. You know, it's like if you had time or you, you know, then you could you could get it more cheaply. I mean, should should TV camera lenses cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Probably not, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brett LeBlanc says this only thing. The only thing this episode needed was Cisco's log entry and possibly his superior's reaction to it. And then he has a, a proposed commander's log. Commander's log. I am told the leader of the Frangi Alliance came aboard the station today. I'm I'm off on my Cisco. I got to work on it. I am not 100% sure because I never bothered to greet him or reach out in any meaningful way. <laughs> Once aboard, he appointed my bartender as the new leader of his government, then died and was vacuum desiccated. We never looked into this further. My security officer reports that the old leader's son, along with the new leader's brother, tried to assassinate the new leader by throwing him out of an airlock that anyone can open because we tend to leave them unsecured. Luckily, the old leader just faked his own death and came in time to save them, avoiding a possible diplomatic incident. Sorry I did not report this in real time, but I'm deeply prejudiced against Ferengi and was creeping around cargo bays trying to end a friendship between my son and former Grand Nagus <laughs> nephew. That's Very funny. funny. Matt Johnson says, regarding a future live show slash tour, I think it would be awesome, Matt and Andy, if y'all did a table read for an episode of Star Trek written by you guys. It could either be a brand new story or a rewrite of an existing episode. (laughs) Rewrite? That's so obnoxious. (laughs) Here's how you do it, Star Trek. Uh, We're going to rewrite Shades of Grey. (laughs) That actually be the Here's the clips we would have (laughs) used. All the all the wraparound parts are exactly the same. 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 Uh, this would give you a chance to showcase your writing skills and an opportunity to fix all the things that irk you and us about characterizations, dialogue choices, slowness, or loginess that plague so many episodes. I think TNG would be ideal since y'all just finished it and Andy doesn't know enough about DS9 or its characters yet. But at the same time, I wouldn't want it to be something that feels like work to you. Just a fun project here in spare time. Matt, you, uh, maybe you could convince Jonathan Frakes to join in for the reading. I know the chances it's happening are pretty slim, but a Trekkie can dream. Um, Dreams yeah. are what 
makes the world go round. Is that true? It's not money? You know what's funny is Kevin Smith and I... <laughs> I shouldn't have said that in this episode that I spent said so much about the uh, the anti-Semitic issues. Is that money? Isn't it money? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Kevin Smith and I did a live talk salad in Seattle, and uh, we each wrote like a scene from a new episode of Frasier. Oh, man, that's and fun. Let me read them out loud. How did they go? It was fun. It was good. Um, was his, did his have a Kevin Smith spin? Like, where, did they get real dirty, or they were just? Yep, no, it was Fraser Bane. So he did Bane's voice. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? Um, yeah, I just I want to take this opportunity to say, <laughs> Matt and I are sitting on our perch, uh, you know, uh, taking our shots and uh, say, ah, this is why we want to done. This is what they did wrong. This is obviously. Oh, I could. I could rewrite anything and make it different. Yes. <laughs> Better, I don't know. But different, sure. But if you're sitting in a writer's room working on a show, it it's a billion times harder than sitting uh, in front of a, a podcast mic and saying, hey, here's what they did wrong. So I just want to, I mean, at least for myself, I want to say. Oh, no, it's pretty, Andy and I have done that in the room and gone, well, this is the problem with this. And then it doesn't time, money, it just doesn't change. And the problem still exists. But it's brought up. Well, that that certainly is a good point. But I guess I'm also saying, like, I don't, I don't, I look at this as just like, we're doing a show where we're commenting and analyzing and deconstructing. But it is very difficult to write any television or movie at all. And, uh... And it's not it's not implied TV. that it's not implied it's not for me that we're like, hey, here's where I would do it because I could do better than these motherfuckers. I'm just saying here's well, all right, there you go. Matt thinks he can do better. I could. Everyone hold on to time it. machine. Oh boy, look out. I think you could do better if you're going back to correct one episode. But if you're writing a whole season, you're gonna have some that are know, good why, and some that are bad. Time machine. I'm going to go back and hand them all the scripts for season seven, the first day of pre-production. <laughs> they're going to go, here's what I've come up with, guys. And they're going to look at it. They're going to go, masks. What the fuck? What happens to Data in this one? Oh, my God. No. Oh, I see. Beverly Crusher fucks a ghost in this one? You can't have this. Get out of here. So it's not about writing. Set them on the right course. <laughs> You're just saying you can change history <laughs> by yes. going back in time. I see. I see what you're saying. Um, David S. says, uh, wait, uh, from the Mirror Universe, yes, Andy School of Improv and Andy Skunda School of Specific Acting 2370, says, wait, I just thought of a theory. What if Morn is doing exactly what the Nagus was wanting his son to do and hanging out at the bar collecting info and networking in a bid to control commerce to the Gamma Quadrant? I feel like, I like the idea that he's quietly a, the you, most powerful man in the galaxy. You don't have to spoil anything, but I feel like the where they're going with the Morn bit is that everybody's talking about him and he's interacting with everybody, but he never says anything. And I think based on that pattern, having him laugh or engage as early... Because didn't he laugh a few episodes back? I seem to remember him laughing. And I, I, feel like, I feel like that's sort of like, oh, that's off game. They didn't figure out what the game was yet for Morn. 
Right. Yeah. Um, Big Citrus says uh, the last um, priority one uh, regarding uh, clicky buttons and switches. A lot of the root issues with new Trek are connected to prequely starting points. Disco is the most glaring example. Had they just decided to create an all-new future Trek world with all that sleek tech, it wouldn't be such a clangy contrast with TOS. Meanwhile, the benefits of the TOS connections are minimal at best. It feels like a hedge on the part of the writers. They want uh, all of the brand equity of TOS, but then they want to be sort of free to do what they want unless they need a cliffhanger. And then, hey, look, it's the Enterprise. The original Star Wars prequel suffered for some of the same reasons and also betrayed allegiances to clicky buttons. New Trek writers should have been more aware of that unless they were like, you know what would be good? Star Trek The Phantom Menace. Um, I'd watch Star Trek The Phantom Menace. I would too. Um, I agree with some of your points, Big Citrus. However, I think that uh, I think Strange New Worlds is kind of doing a fine job of reincorporating a lot of the aesthetic while making it their own. So, I mean, it just is what it is. Like you know, sort of way my my nerd brain makes sense of it is like. That's just what the Enterprise looks like right now. It's, you know, Roger Moore. That's what James Bond looked like for those years. And then, you know, Daniel Craig is what James Bond looked like for the last 14 years. Right. So I think of the Enterprise as James Bond or a Time Lord. Not always, though, because a lot of the canon stuff and the look of stuff bothers you. Well, it's only when they put that shit in already established you know what i mean again theoretically thing it was the thing where they put that ship into picard Picard. when picard had already sat on a bridge of the ncc 1701 with scotty right (laughs) like it's that's what it looked like to that yeah whatever Uh, that's it for the priority one messages. We're into the hails proper look, now. If you look at M's office in 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 Bond, confusingly, there's a Judy Dench painting and a and a Robert Brown painting. Like all the old M's are there are paintings of them hanging in the office. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> wait a second, what's happening here? But couldn't know. you draw the conclusion that it's like in the that universe, though that's what the old M's look like. But it's not saying that, you know, all the other Bond movies existed in that universe. Well, I won't get into it, but my thought is they all did. Mm. I think Casino Royale happens, then Dr. No, and the rest of the James Bond movies until... Is this a Doctor Who theory? Skyfall. No, it's just my own thought of how... It's how I organize the timeline of James Bond in my head. How do you explain the the age issue? Is this a longer conversation? How do you explain the age? Oh no, no, no! I think that the, I don't. I think that Dale Craig. There's like you know, like that GoldenEye Legacy game where you're playing all the movies, but right. it's always Daniel Craig. Right. It's kind of like that in my head. Gotcha. But that's like Dale Craig. Dale Craig's fighting odd job. But you're just fitting that into your head. It's not. There's no yes, logic that's no, being presented no, to you. None yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Anyway, open the hell back. No. It's your job. <laughs> Do your job. Captain, we are being hailed. It's 51 minutes into the show. Let's start the hails. So what hails have we got in the hail bag? Let's take a look, guys. Robert Ziegler writes, Andy, what makes TNC so special? You know what? He didn't say so. I added the so. He just said what makes TNC special. <laughs> <laughs> I felt I should be honest about that. <laughs> He's already writing a nice hail. I don't got to dress it up anymore. What makes TNC special is that you and Matt are not afraid to have conflict, even real conflict, between your personal truths. Um, uh, I'm listening to the First Duty pod, and you guys are really trying to get to ground on the moral questions of the episode. It's great. I used to love Mission Log when it was Ken, John and Ken because they would also get into conflict. It's just so fun to feel like you're having a good old polite Star Trek argument with friends. Happy face emoji. Sideways. It's very nice emoji. of you to still say it's polite. I think it's probably often it is not polite. But, uh, <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Generally speaking, I think we try and keep it polite. Uh, firstborn what are you laughing about? Just laughing at that discussion we had for a very long time about whether or not the first duty was the truth. It's true. He's saying moral questions. Is he talking about that one? Because the, the, that's not really a moral question. That's the That was a stupid semantic debate. Well, we've had plenty of moral questions. We have had moral debates also. Like you're, you're staunch, you're staunch anti, anti-Semite. So that's that always. Yeah. yeah. Even though you, it was you like, ma- what better way to destroy it than marry one? That's and right. Have one. Destroy us from within. <laughs> Firstborn, uh, I am super behind. This is from Mark Warren. Uh, I'm super behind, but I must share this question. <laughs> so, uh, this was just hanging around. I don't know if it's been mentioned before. Why does future Alexander not go back a few more years and save his mother? That is all. <laughs> this is such a great point. What a what a what a what a I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what he was doing in that episode. Was he just saving Worf? He was, was trying he well, here's what he was doing. Okay, here I can actually answer this question. Okay. <laughs> he was trying to make himself more of a warrior so that he would be able to defend his father later yeah along with Worf right so they could take on the which is which is a minimal alteration of the timeline from his POV did they establish in that episode why he didn't just kill the attackers himself did he go back in time and do that no Uh, I mean that does raise a logic question Bottom line, Alexander. Why would you do that, Andy? As with all the dumb things Alexander does, use time travel in the right way, Alexander. <laughs> um, this one is titled, this is from Richard Firth, and it's titled Nagus and More Bread. Andy, tell Matt that bagel is a bread, and that bread does have a taste. It tastes of bread. <laughs> also, I was wondering if Ferengis don't go to school. Because it doesn't help them make profit. Uh, then how do Frangies learn how to make profit? I think I said this in the episode, but if I didn't, I certainly was thinking it. Also, they need to know about double entry bookkeeping, 
finance, commerce laws, etc. Seems a bit short-sighted. Also, the chief and Ben Sisko were being racist toward the Ferengi. Oh, that was mentioned in another thing. For sure. And then he attached a photo of some crumpets because I didn't know exactly what they were. Um, yeah, I think this is valid. Maybe, I, I don't know if I said this in the last episode. Maybe, the, like, the Ferengi's, my vibe is, <laughs> also in keeping with them being, eh, it doesn't matter. But that my vibe is that maybe the Ferengi's pass along like it's more like you're going into the the family business and so they pass along how to do the math and the and the calculations and so they don't need to go to school maybe it's like a work study thing and it's all apprenticeships uh, that also could be true it'd be a great way not to pay your labor it's also true negus saucer section from filmy girl um Filmy Girl says, Hi, Andy. Uh, I normally wouldn't write in, but my power went out. I'm sitting here in the dark with my cat just thinking about stuff. Hi to your cat. Uh, regarding Kira's uniform, I didn't notice when I originally watched the show. like you said, hide your cat. Hide your cat. <laughs> like, that's ominous, Andy. Why are you saying that? I think Alf is in your apartment. <laughs> no, he eats cats. <laughs> Uh, regarding Kira's oh, uniform, Melmac. <laughs> regarding Kira's uniform, I didn't notice when I originally watched the show as a kid, but upon watching as an adult, wow, the camera lingers tenderly on her butt a lot. I'm not complaining since it is a very nice butt. Cue the gr- needs a girlfriend jingle, um, laughing, crying face emoji. All the best. And lastly, and then we will give you your fucking <laughs> show. Zach Fortney writes in. Uh, hello, Andrew. You requested a oh, this is uh, one of Andy's more perverted requests. You requested a clip of Matt screaming about his nipples for some reason. Here it is. Uh, I left it as clean as I could uh, get it. As my suspicion is, you wanted it for a sound to drop in the show. Uh, my nipples. My nipples. <laughs> there you go. My nipples. My nipples. You can never wait until I finish to play your. Uh, now the, let's play the clip. Wait. <laughs> it seemed yeah. a waste of an email to just send in the clip of Matt's nip- nipple, so I also included a work in progress that I've since long abandoned. Wow, you've been working on this because Matt was asking me, was this from one episode? So it's a work in progress, and so then that is something that you keep, you have kept track of. It was meant to be a song with your interludes, but I'm absolute trash at music and don't know how to get a hold of Nacho without forsaking my ethics and logging back into Facebook. Maybe I'll send you Nacho's information. Also, I struggled mightily to clean up that first season echo in the first three seconds, but never could. Um, You're really good with the audio, Zach. Enjoy. Don't really. There's nothing enjoyable here. Zach in Arizona. All right. Play No Stone Unturned. I find that insulting. First season echo. How dare you. Sorry. I'm a completist. Let's do this. I like to watch the evolution of a series. Where were we? What do you mean? That was very echoey. It might have been in my kitchen. Or it was in here before any furniture was in here. Yeah. Anyway, let's continue. I'm sorry. Let's start at the beginning and I will not talk. I'm a completist. Let's do this. I like to watch the evolution of a series. Uh, loved Voyager. Have not seen the last season. <laughs> but I really am a completist. 
I actually would love to do that, and I've never seen the final season, as I haven't of many uh, TV shows, of Battlestar Galactica, even though I loved it. It uh, bumps with my uh, general completist and uh, OCD nature, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It would interfere with the flow of time. Well, which creating. is what happens to the Doctor in um, Star Trek Voyager. Uh... Remember, he meets the... Talking about the last season, I didn't see the last season. It's a real rough situation because I'm so... I know. I'm such a completist. (laughs) (laughs) I repeat myself a lot, and I I can contradict myself a lot. (laughs) The irony of it, uh, of him not finishing the jingle about you being a completionist is very funny to me. Yeah. Completionist or completist. Neither of you are completionists. I say completist. They're both right. That's it for the hails. My nipples! You... <laughs> Come on! That is a fantastic sound drop. If we were a morning zoo sh- uh, crew, that would never stop playing. Uh, my nipples! If, <laughs> if you would like... Oh, my. S- <laughs> if you would like to send us a hail, send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere that you're referring to, unless it's just a general hail. Uh, you can tweet or Instagram Matt at Matt Myra. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My Twitter is at Secunda. Uh, if you'd like to send us a voice hail, please do at 816-TREK-TNC. That's it for Wow. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode is Vortex, which aired the 18th of April, 1993. Andy, what's happening? Matt, the number one song in the U.S. is Informer by Snow. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good song. It's also an alternative song. I mean... Number one song, the number one alternative song is I Feel You by Depeche Mode. I don't care. Uh, oh, that's fun. I like that one. Number one song in the UK is Young at Heart by the Bluebells. <laughs> God. <laughs> Let's not forget the Woo Bells with Young at Heart. I will never figure out Britain based on their music. I don't. I don't. I don't know, and quite frankly, it's like they're that kid in school that likes different things just to be different. <laughs> it's like, you don't really like this. 
It, what really makes me feel is sort of like we we th- make oh well, they speak English, so they're like us, and it's it's like th- this th- these this little peephole into their music taste and what was number ones was just like oh they're nothing like us <laughs> except for the weeks when we both have the same number one it's like oh uh, I guess they are number one movie Indecent Proposal number one TV show that week still Home Improvement Deaths that week uh-huh. labor leader uh, Cesar Chavez Mexican actor Cantinflas hmm, I wonder who that was Events the siege My nipples. <laughs> The siege at the Branch Davidian compound ends in tragedy. My nipples <laughs> Here's another one. Get ready, Matt. The Holocaust yeah. Museum opens in Washington DC. My nipples <laughs> Time magazine cover. Los Angeles. Is the city of angels going to hell? My nipples ah! Doctor. Ah! Oh, thank God! My nipples! The original, the original sound drop. Um, uh, okay. And then we have an elsewhere in Trek. I don't know if you want to. Sure, I love an elsewhere in Trek because. I like that jingle. But can I find it? Elsewhere in track. Let's see what's out there. Engage. The most recent TNG episode had been Lessons, which aired about two weeks earlier on April 5th. Accordingly, by the time of Vortex, the Enterprise was probably welcoming a new stellar sciences head to replace Lieutenant Commander Nella Darren. Behind the scenes, TNG was in the middle of filming Descent Part 1, so the end of the season was nigh. It's a bad two-parter. It's not a great one. Anyway. Uh, Vortex, we're here. We're going to talk about it. Here's your memory alpha logline. A fugitive from the Gamma Quadrant attempts to trade evidence about Odo's people for freedom. Written by Sam Rolfe and directed by Weinrich Colby. The former beau of Kate Mulgrew. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that ever coming up on our Voyager apps. It has. Good, good job, Weinrich. Hey. Well, good job, Kate, you know? He's a catch. She was dating down on the dating ladder German as far as I'm concerned. German uh, directs TV. That's fun. If all my customers were like you, my family would be begging in the promenade. Oh, I seriously doubt that. Not as long as there's a Miradon Raider for you to do business with. Raider? You mean the Miradon ship that just docked? The Raider. Its reputation, like mine, has probably been exaggerated. Anyway, I don't know the ship or its crew. You didn't make your usual welcome call, inviting them in for a free drink. The Miradons are a quarrelsome people. I chose to forgo the usual amenities. He looks away whenever we make eye contact. Who? The new arrival. The one the Klingons brought back from the Gamma Quadrant. Croden? 
He's harmless. Really? How is it you've come to know him so well? Man comes in for a drink. He wants to talk. He didn't seem to want to talk much to Cisco when he arrived. Who would? All those Starfleet officers greeting him at the airlock. It would scare me, too. The Federation could learn a few things from the Ferengi about hospitality. I mean, so maybe it's a good thing that he didn't greet the Nagus. That's fair. Did, didn't want to make him uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, Andy, what do you think of the of the uh, dynamic of Odo and Quark? Um, I am uh, still figuring it out. Um, mm-hmm. it feels like they're leaning in, uh, in the, as, as I think we've said before, and I maybe even read that, you know, a kind of Humphrey Bogart, Claude Rains, Casablanca ish kind of uneasy alliance mm-hmm. that maybe has a friendship beneath it. Um, and Quark you know, seems to be playing on Odo's loneliness, you know, sort of subtextual loneliness. And then is he doing it out of friendship? Is he doing it to manipulate him? Maybe both. Um, is this the, are these are the kind of things you're asking? Yes. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate s- your input. Yeah. Oh, you will say what? Go ahead. I think we're going to get to it. So if we move forward, then I'll, I'll raise the issue. They scared him, huh? Of course. I wonder what he has to be scared about. That is the stupidest looking costume I've seen in a while. (laughs) It's very just garbage bags wrapped around a sweater kind of vibe. It's like, what do we have left here? Uh, We got licorice and a tarp. Let's do it. <laughs> well, now, I believe a pair of twinned Miradorn just nodded your way. <laughs> I'm the man behind the bar. Obviously, they want to use a hollow suite. You think the whole galaxy is plodding around you, don't you? Paranoia must run in your species, Odo. Maybe that's why no one has ever seen another shapeshifter. They're all hiding! I won't have you come in here harassing my customers. Order a drink, play the tables, or vacate the premises! Rob, bring a flask of my special Angor. Now... Let it keep going. What what is this, this teaser? It's so weird. What is this Will cold? They like the drink. <laughs> what is that? It's the most like pregnant and like with importance kind of moment with the music and everything. That's like he's carrying fucking a drink. We don't know anything about this. Star Trek really plays fast and loose with its cold opens, especially on Enterprise, where almost nothing happens. But I feel like this show is sort of leaning into it, too. 
very nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there's a problem. Problem? Langer, anyone? What problem? The buyer has backed out. You guaranteed us a buyer. A question has been raised about the origin of this bauble. A similar one was taken uh, during a raid on a Van Arben transport just two light years from here. If you had a bill of sale... You didn't ask for any bill of sale. When anyway, this guy comes in, the alien from the Delta Quadrant, Gamma, Gamma Quadrant, and I'm just like, what is this performance? What is what is happening? Right. What do you want? No one is going to get hurt. Just, just give me that. Whoever you are, you're making a mistake. Well, it wouldn't be the first and probably won't be the last. Give that to me. What is that performance? So, what is he playing? I mean, in retrospect, he's playing... Because I agree with you. I was sort of like, this is odd. And then as the, as the episode progressed, it's Cliff D. Young playing this this part, who's it just... It's very interesting that the two people, Gordon Clapp from NYPD Blue and Clifty Young, who, I mean, there's you can pick out a billion different things he was in. The thing I probably had most in my head from was Glory. But um, uh, Gordon Clapp is the, 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 the other the other guy in the in the makeup with also a very odd distinctive performance and interestingly if you look at their careers they did stuff on broadway and they had their early things and then they had just these crazily long um television careers where they were used again and again in little parts occasionally they would get you know a regular uh like gordon clapp on nypd blue but just such a long it's just really impressive and i think clifty young started as a musician and played with the doors and people and it's just like it's just crazy to me so to me it's like these people are ringers they're professionals and you watch a performance like this, which is as as is certainly your reaction that it's strange. I certainly agree with you're saying. I don't know if your overall thing was that it was bad, but um, no, it's a choice. It's so specific. And I'm confused by the choice, and it's confident in a way that, as Matt and I often comment on, you don't see a person coming in to pinch hit on a Star Trek show. Um, delivering usually it's like oh I gotta fucking somehow adjust to this crazy atmosphere and not take too many chances and just deliver what's being asked of me and I think both of these performances are real kind of big swings my opinion is and I think and I, in the end I was really impressed with both of these performances the, the, I would say what, what Clifty Young is doing is it seems like he's playing this part that's kind of wry he's clever he's sensitive he's sort of irreverent in a way that to your point does not seem to fit what he's being set up as at all in any way and that's why it seems weird but in the end what we discover about him is that's because he's not that guy he was a regular civilian who, if we were to believe his story, which I believe the episode wants us to believe, 
was pushed into being, you know, basically assassinating two two uh, allegedly fascist guards. Um, and so he was just a regular guy who probably was irreverent and is not used to being in these kinds of situations. So to me, it does track from that perspective. Did I win? Did I win, man? Did I win? Uh, (laughs) Sure. I won! Uh, Anyway, the deal goes bad, and uh, the table is thrown, and the glass shatters and turns into Odo. Odo wanted to wait until it was shattered so that he could... We're not just twin brothers. Together, we are a single self. Two halves of one being. I am incomplete now. You should have considered the risks before trying to sell stolen property. You have no proof. Two people were killed on the transport this object was taken from. My brother and I purchased it from a passing Altoran trader. His name, his ship's identification. I am the one whose brother was killed, Commander. You have only your I'd like for you to return to your ship now. You have my sympathies. But there may be more questions. Please don't leave the station. I want to deal with the one who killed my twin. The law will deal with him. I got a lot of questions. First of all, I have a comment. Mm-hmm. Are we having a good time, Matt? With this episode? In general. But not in our lives, just on the podcast. Oh, I usually have a good time on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, that really wasn't the comment. Um, the uh, the comment was, uh, uh, Quark makes a comment. I don't remember how many glasses. It was like, it's five glasses, not six, or whatever it was. Four, not five, because one of them was Odo. Um and this raises one of my many changeling questions. <laughs> Couldn't he have been some of the liquid? Couldn't he have sort of just shrunken himself down, kind of made himself transparent? Like couldn't he have been part of the glass? Like why did why would he, why did he have to make himself a whole other glass? <laughs> I just don't I don't understand the volume. And it uh, some of his powers. Do you mean volume or mass? Because theoretically, to me, he picks up a glass; it should weigh as much as Odo. I mean, I agree with you. It clearly doesn't, because right. Nog's carrying it around. Or maybe not. Maybe it, he. Maybe part of the changeling's powers. It would. It one would assume is to actually change your chemical makeup. Well, it wouldn't be chemical makeup. It'd be his, his mass and density. Well, I mean, which would also affect your mass and density, makeup. wouldn't it? All right, maybe your atomic makeup. But the point is, and this episode also like has that line about him being very heavy. Right. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, what are we right. saying about changelings? That's I funny. don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the main thing that yeah, bugged me was cool. just like, why wasn't he just more of the liquid? what I would have done. That's funny. I was like, why was he a glass? Why couldn't he just be like the table? Maybe he was afraid he would get trapped in the dead bottle. Morning. So, I'd appreciate your not spreading wild theories about casually. So this is my other question. Mm-hmm. I have actually two more questions. One is, I think the answer is no, now watching the scene again. But I was like, did, because... 
Quark acted so weird with the with the liquid with the languor, and then made a big deal about it. I thought he was maybe communicating to Odo to your question of like, what do I think of them? Hey, there's something going on back here. Maybe you can watch my back on this. I guess in retrospect, he probably wasn't doing that because he was doing something illegal unless he knew it was going to go wrong, which it doesn't seem like he did. But then he was acting very suspicious on the A side of that scene. Oh, he's... I think, like, I think part of... I think part of, like, Quark's charm... Maybe charm's not the right word, but part of his M.O. is, like, if he's constantly acting suspicious, uh-huh. you, you're never going to know when he's actually up to something. <laughs> That's his plan, is sort of like. Yeah, yeah. That's fair, and I think that does play into how he, because he presents himself, it's just like, ah, I'm a charming rascal. I might be up to something yeah. all the time. Who knows? He's a rapscallion. So the other question is about Cisco. What is Cisco's deal here? Because it seems like he steps in and then goes, all right, well, you're free to go. No, no. You're free to go. But they're ship. Oh, but not leave. But you got to stay docked, yeah. But didn't the guy kill a guy? Like, no, the guy that killed the guy. Oh, the other guy, that's the guy that killed the guy. So he's just okay. But he was he was still yeah. part of a crime. Uh, they don't know yet. Uh huh. So I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? Okay, fair enough. Don't you feed your prisoners? The fact that you just killed a man doesn't affect your appetite. It was him or me. And if he'd have killed me, I wouldn't be hungry now. I want you to understand exactly what's going to happen. I thought that was there a funny bit. There will be a trial to determine your guilt or innocence. We can assign an advocate. Yes, and then like the continuation of the bit with like him eating nonchalantly, casually talking to Odo about changelings. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed that. Sort of like this, yeah, the casual sort of. I'll lock you up too. Worst, the worst hair in the series is the the fucking aliens in this episode. <laughs> it's fair. It's insane. A lot of, I don't know what you call it, brig jail. A lot of brig action in this in this episode, and I I love it. It really it really heightens the the sort of Western martial vibes. Mm. Nothing in common. We are both aliens here, the only ones of our kind. Each of us is alone, isolated, shut out. Others like us only exist in the Gamma Quadrant. I have always wondered why changelings are so distrustful of other species. I doubt the changelings on your world would trust you. <laughs> of course not. There are no shapeshifters on Rakhar. You just said... You implied there were. I'm sorry if I misled you. There were shapeshifters on Rakhar at one time, but that was centuries ago. What happened to them? They were persecuted. Driven out. But I know a place where there are still some left. Of course, that was a few years ago. 
And if you had the chance, you'd take me there. Sure, I would. Why not? But tell me where it is. I'll have a look. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> I don't understand. I like it. I I kind of almost feel like this is what I would want to do if I was in Star Trek. Is because it feels like he's making the choice. He's not doing what a lot of people do, which is just like I'm going to play it like an alien. He's like I'm just doing a regular character that happens to be an alien. And yeah, he's but making. Even if he was a regular guy, if he was a human. I'd still be annoyed by his performance. I mean, I understand. I guess I'm saying I like it because it is a regular sort of as though it's a human strong character choice. Um, I don't know. A little too rich for my blood, you know? Yeah. I will. Okay. My nipples! One of your people committed a homicide, and we have him in custody. <laughs> really looks His like Dex, Dex said that, and then Cisco like rolled her eyes at her. Southern <laughs> They're hailing us. On screen. I am the exarch of Nahalik Province. You will transport Croton to this location. So, do all of them have bad hair? <laughs> I guess apparently in the Gamma Quadrant, that's a real problem. <laughs> on our station. Tried. Crowden has already been declared guilty in absentia for myriad crimes on this world. That judgment supersedes your charges. Return him, and I can assure you his punishment will be appropriate to your crime as well as ours. I would feel more comfortable if we could I do not know find... what kind of people you are. I do not care to know. But if your society purports to respect the rules of our society, you will return him without delay. Expect him to return in a vessel just like this one within 52 hours. What do you think Dax's reaction there means? Boy, you're really kowtowing to this guy with bad hair. <laughs> I think it's mostly about the hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I couldn't. She seemed real shocked, and uh, and I was sort of like, doesn't that feel like something Cisco would have done? Uh, I just don't understand why he made that. I guess he was going out there to try and reason with them or get more information about this guy, and then it just failed. Oh, and also to get one of them to come be his representative. Gotcha, gotcha. Trial, and they're like, I, I find this to be a really interesting side trip. Of legality and how do they handle things? How does Starfleet handle things? Because it's it gets into that area of like, yeah, but what if they're just patently immoral? Well, what if those other people are immoral? Shouldn't you step in then? It's a Bajoran station, though. Shouldn't the Bajorans be like? That's also a good question. Let's, yeah, sure. Let's give them away. It's alive, more or less. It's almost like a transitional phase between organic and inorganic matter. I've only seen one life form that even remotely resembles it. Me. In a way, this stone might qualify as a distant cousin of yours. Maybe there's a clue to your origins here. Where did it come from? Unfortunately, the only one who can tell me is less reliable than Quark. That's very unreliable. Is it his hair? Yes. <laughs> or his performance. Well, that's too bad. I was hoping you'd feel sorry for me, seeing as we're the only two here from the other side of the passage. I feel nothing for you but contempt. You're a thief, 
and a killer, and who knows what else. Typical. It's typical. Of changeling behavior. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, excuse me. I would like your distant cousin back to put in my pocket. This was a, also a, a vague thing of, of like... In my it, sector, there is a nebula called it. That they're saying it's sentient on some level? Or are they not saying it's sentient? They're just saying it has organic material like him. Correct. They're not saying it's, or, it's sentient. Okay. About right away. Constable, once you're on the other side, you'll be on your own. The Muradorn vessel cannot run any of our runabouts. And if they do come after you, a warning from us will just point an arrow to you. Understood. And remember, we don't have the Defiant yet. You can only go kind of fast. <laughs> but not that fast. Doesn't look like they're reading the runabout. confused about the wormhole does it like just open up when you get close to it do you have to send out some sort of signal you gotta press the wormhole button you hit the wormhole button underneath the underneath the dash <laughs> you can pour your square shape into a round hole but you don't really fit do you you're like my i think i finally figured out what crime you were found guilty of on your world what's that you talk too much <laughs> maybe you're right perhaps that is how it started Perhaps I asked one question too many. Anyway, that's as good an explanation as any. Explanation for what? Blah, blah, blah. He's in security. Yes. I really dug, though, in this episode, and it feels like it's kind of the first one that we've started to explore it. Just the idea of, like, you know, okay, we're going to pop through the through the wormhole kind of do some business on the other side of the gamma quadrant and then come back it felt very kind of like i'm gonna you know go into the plains go into this next town in a bad area you know go to see the indigenous people in an old in a western i really enjoy it prisoner or you're like taking some sort of oil pipeline into west germany and you're james bond yeah it's kind of like that, too. Yes, Chief. The Miradorn ship is leaving the station. Major, do whatever you can to delay them. Ops to Miradorn ship. Please hold your position. Stand by for departure instructions. No response. They're still moving. Dax. They can't go without the instructions. Get a hold of them, Chief. <laughs> They've increased power to their thrusters. On screen. Yes, those thrusters are increased in power. Thank you, Chief. My world. They're a proud species. That's why they were so persecuted. But I will say this for them. They treated me well enough when I landed at their colony. I was badly wounded. They could have allowed me to die. They didn't. You're one of them. So this, is, sure. this part is all a lie, right? Yes. One eight one mark one two. Put it on the monitor and identify. Miradorn vessel Theta class. He's hailing us. 
The first shot was a warning. You will surrender the Rakari prisoner to me. I don't give up my prisoners, Arkel. Very well. Then you can die with him. Here's a... I just think... Say again? I said, can Odo die? Who knows? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. He certainly seems like he could get knocked out. I was very surprised by that in this episode. Oh, sure. That the the fucking falling rocks knock him out? I'm like, what? He can't just make himself malleable at the last second? He couldn't just turn into another rock? (laughs) (laughs) Ha Um... Try and knock me out, Rock. I'm just like I'm you. I'm paper. I'm paper now. <laughs> it turned into it turned into paper at the last second. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's silly. Um, but uh, oh, one thing was uh, I I was sort of like oh, Major Barrett is in this, but then I realized oh, this is a Starfleet vessel, <laughs> and then yeah. On the station, it's somebody else, which is kind of funny. Right. A cool, cool detail. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, do we pass when, uh, when he says put it on the monitor and identify? Was that when when the guy's following them? Just because there's a moment where he says put it on the monitor and identify, and I'm like, it's weird that he says put it on the monitor and identify and i was like oh i bet they're not going to show it and then they didn't so they just he just said identify so that the computer attacked yeah affirmative pursuing vessel approaching from 181 mark 12 put it on the monitor and identify miradorn vessel theta class so that way you don't have that extra shot you have to do of the of the miradorn ship in pursuit yeah Look at the dummies inside the window. It just looks like there's like two datas. <laughs> just use the datas. Put them in there. Nobody will know. Why are we slowing down? The vortex is riddled with volatile pockets of a gas we call Tomer. If we destabilize them, they could ignite and blow the ship apart. You really have been through here before. Sometimes I do tell the truth. How do you remember what's true and what isn't? I have a chart. I thought you said they couldn't detect us in here. You must be following our... I need my chart. Where's my chart? (laughs) What's the truth? Take you home after all. What's dissembling? Uh, so they get down to the planet here, and then they uh, he helps them with the rocks. It shapes itself to fit the lock. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's mad inside there. Father. Thank you. <laughs> Say anything. Dreaming about you. 
I'm here now, Yorath. You don't have to dream anymore. He's a security officer. No, no, he's not going to hurt you. He's going to take you to a place where you'll be safe. Won't you? <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I was watching this and I was like, I don't remember this character being there all the time. Are they going to give Odo a surrogate, like, stepped up? <laughs> like, that's an interesting move. I was like, did I just It forget? wouldn't be the worst. <laughs> it kind of would make sense for the character because he's so isolated. I agree. That's why it was sort of interesting for me. I kind of assumed I would have known that character if she had been that major part of the show. But that was interesting right. for me at the end when it's like, oh, is Odo going to, you know, turn him in? Or is he going to let him go? Or what is going to happen? It's like, oh, maybe she does just take care of this lady, this, this girl. Species, I'll carry him back to the ship. See, I think this is kind of a wonderful turn. I think the whole end is really wonderful because it's like, this guy's not above murdering. He's done it. Um, That was self-defense. Self-defense. It was either him or him. Wait, was it self-defense? I think that he they had already killed his family, so it was a little bit of vengeance. Not that it wasn't justified, but... Um, or I don't know. I guess it depends on the situation. Whatever the oh, case. you believe that story? No, no, no. His planet's all vegetarians. The crime he was guilty of was <laughs> killing the chickens. Oh, no. That was a weird subtext. Anyway, I, I love this moment where it's like, He's gonna leave him because he's like, I have my daughter. Like, if he if I wake him up and save him, odds are, based on the personality that I've seen, he's gonna turn me yeah. in, even if he knows it's wrong. And then my daughter won't have a father. So this is just a right. crazy act of of uh decency to save him. Well, it's also like you can't like have your daughter just watch you leave. Well, that is that is sort of, and they play that nicely too. That that's what tips the scales. Yeah. Is just like, well, I can't do it. Well, I mean, his first instinct is to pick up Odo. No, isn't his? Then he thinks about it, and he's like, no, I can't. And then he decides not to. And then, and then, and then the, girl's the daughter like, asks him, "Hey, what's going on? what are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. He should have held a different part of him and been like, ah, my head. Where the hell does he keep it, you know? Grab his elbow or something. Well, that's why I don't, this this part, let me ask you this. Based Uh, on the spectrum of having seen the series now, does this moment where the rocks fall on Odo and knock him out make sense to you? I feel like, haven't we already seen him be shot at and he just sort of like squooshed around them? Yeah, but that's the bullets are much uh, and phaser fire is much smaller than uh, a giant rock. Do you feel like Here it makes sense look. based on what you later know of him? Or do you feel like this is just early Odo writing? I mean, it makes sense in the way that, like, you know, data's bulletproof, but in the 
Robin Hood episode, the arrow penetrates him. Uh-huh. And it's just like, ah, all right, whatever. It's vague. Okay. Fair it's vague and whatever suits the plot. You could have left me behind. Don't thank me. I already regret it. I haven't been able to lose them. Sooner or later, one of his photons is going to trigger a Tomare explosion and kill us all. Let me have the controls. Find us one of those Tomare fields. I just told you, you don't want to go anywhere near one changeling. Find us the closest Tomare field. I think they were beyond that. He could have called the moto at that point. Six degrees to starboard. Changing course. He's chased us everywhere else. Maybe he'll follow us in there, too. His sensors may not be able to detect how volatile the field is. If he fires on us in there, the whole thing will ignite. That's what I'm counting on. That's the nebula to reuse, Andy. Of the nebula uh, from Wrath of Khan. Oh, Wow. They, they did a little color change on it, though. Set a course along the interior perimeter. Yeah, but like they're always using their whatever assets they have lying around. Sure. Done. Computer, shut down all engines. Engines disengaged. Maintain emergency readiness to re-engage impulse on my command. We're an awfully easy target. This is cool looking. The shadows. He's healing us. On screen. Are you prepared to surrender your prisoner? I have a full array of Starfleet weapons trained on you, Akel. Frankly, I don't know much about them, but I understand they equip this little vessel with some pretty powerful stuff. So I suggest you withdraw while you still can. There will barely be a trace of your little vessel when we are finished with you. He's coming about. Powering his shields. His starboard photon bank is armed. Computer, engage. He's firing photons. Wee. <laughs> this is smart. I like this. How many times have we seen this in Star Trek? This gambit. This, yeah, ignite whatever behind you yeah i mean it's always it's always I mean, how, how many times like i'd really like a count on that I, I, i'm I asking you like you're gonna have an answer for me because right. <laughs> it's handy when the people are outgunned it's like there's this other thing here it's like you yes. know it's like it's like jaws you know it's like oh but he's got this other thing and we'll blow it up from with that sorry jaws spoiler <laughs> i left it vague I only have one last favor to ask. It's a small Earth one, but could you take care of my daughter forever? Just as you've always been. She's going to need someone to look after her. If you're asking me what I think you're asking. We know you could use some company changeling. You will deny it, but we both know it's true. I kind of like or that. stone would have meant nothing to you. Incoming subspace signal. Vulcan band frequency. On screen. It's interesting they made Our it the Vulcans. 
I guess they what wanted it. It was interesting they made it the Vulcans. I guess they wanted it a, a, a species that we knew, that we knew would be chill with them. Yeah, a friendly face yeah. in the galaxy. It's also, Absolutely. what I also found interesting is that the Vulcans are already going to the Gamma Quadrant. I thought there would be more negotiations and stuff, but they're already like going through and doing stuff in there. Between who? Federation controls it. I know. It just seems interesting. The Vulcans but... are one of the co-founders of the Federation. I guess... Stop not giving the Vulcans the due. <laughs> I guess I find it interesting that it feels to me like they just opened it, and that already it's just like, yeah, we're all going on explorations in there, and... They did, 11 weeks ago. <laughs> this is the Vulcan science vessel, Travan. Are you in any difficulty? Chief of Security Odo from DS9. We're fine, Captain. We detected a major eruption in the Chamra Vortex. I was afraid a small ship like yours might have suffered damage. I appreciate your concern. What's your course? To the wormhole, then home to Vulcan. Very fancy background for a I've Vulcan ship. over two survivors from a ship that wasn't so lucky. I have to complete a mission. Could you give them transportation to Vulcan? Easily done. We will rendezvous with you shortly. Prepare for transport. One of them slit someone's throats and uh, two people's throats in self-defense. Uh, I assume it was self-defense. The other one's been frozen for a while. I don't know how long. <laughs> Could be a hundred years. I don't know how long these guys live? <laughs> but they gave me this little thing that's like a piece of uh, one of my people. <laughs> Look at it. it turns into a key. Now, how will you explain not delivering me? I'll tell them you were killed when Akel torpedoed the asteroid. This dissembling must be catching. <laughs> You're going to have to get used to living in an alien society. Like you. But I know where my home is. And perhaps someday I'll be able to go back again. Not a good idea. Just stay I hope Vulcan. this helps you find where you came from. <laughs> oh, and get a haircut. <laughs> yes. I suppose I am. I feel like Odo just let them go because he's like, I don't want this kid cramping my style. I'll just have to let them go. thousand percent. Not, it, it, A, it was like, was it the right thing to do? Who knows? But in the moment, if you're faced with, take care of my soon-to-be teenage daughter or pretend we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the only other thing before we wrap up. I was... My nipples! <laughs> that was the only thing. Um, I was a little... I mean, I guess it certainly is grounded and it makes sense, but it's a big character turn that then you have to live with for the rest of the series. It's just sort of like, up until now in the thing, it, in the series, it feels like it, you're saying Odo is one of these lawmen, like, you know, a hard old old Western lawman that's just like, no negotiation... No bending of the rules. If you break the law, I'm coming after you. And and that's it. And so it's interesting that yes. in this case, he is he did kill that guy. <laughs> Not to mention the two other people that he slipped their throats. But he definitely killed a guy. And Odo lets him go. And it's like, even if you assume the other ones were in self-defense, I guess this one theoretically was in self-defense. But 
he was holding yeah. them up, so it was a, a was robbery. There. He was there. Well, it was a, it was a separate there thing. As he's, a glass, uh, he's a witness. And he knows yeah. that it was all Quark's fault. Uh-huh. But I find it interesting that this is a turn where it's like very early on in the series. It's just like he'll sometimes bend the rules, which seems yeah. It's a uh, it's like the first time they're trying to be like Andy's got a heart of gold. Yeah, <laughs> it's like does he? I don't know that you've shown me that yet. <laughs> it's a big leap. This is a lot of gold to come out with. Um. All right, let's do what we do worst, which is find a sound clip, play it, and follow the procedure as normal. Hmm. Skipping ahead, it's kind of a... This is a tough one. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the end. Did we come up with the DS9 MVC for future? Yeah, that's right. Couldn't find it, so oh, gotcha. What I just played. Sorry, I didn't mean. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. This is why this is why this show is what it is. That one of us can screw up, and then the other one brings attention to it. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. My apologies. The uh, it's sort of like it might be Croton if we're opening it up to anyone, but I guess he also is the person who killed a guy. But he did save his daughter. I don't know. I don't know where to put Odo in this. It doesn't seem like he's that good a security person, as you point out. He didn't stop a murder. He didn't really even prosecute the guy. He lets them go, and so that seems like the decent thing to do. But in terms of the station itself, I don't know if that would make, that make you a good crew member. I mean, I guess... I guess Cisco does you know does what he does should do by the book which is he sends the one guy to his ship when there's not enough evidence and then get he, out of here go to your ship then from a diplomatic perspective he does the right thing in returning croton yeah, even though i'll it's bring a, him back in 52 hours even though i find it questionable on a moral basis my uh, nipples what do your nipples say what do your nipples your itchy nipples tell you Let's go to the nipples. Uh, I think it's Dr. Bashir. He discovers what the thing is. He gets information. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, about, it's Bashir. He says that the guy's dead, which is very handy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody else, right? Uh, it's Bashir. Okay. How many Andy's does this episode get? I really like it. It's not dynamite and i kind of i don't know if this is even your point about it it's very weird that it takes so long to get into the changeling stuff i really like the croton character i like the performance i like clap who i also think if you look at his nypd blue um you know greg metavoy character it's completely different so it's just really good character acting um clifty young is great in my opinion um, the whole pork thing at the beginning is sort of how you get into it, but I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going on. It's taking a long time to get there. Um, but it really ends up very sweet and moving, and I like the exploration of Quark's character. So it has some flaws. It's slow, but I like where it lands, so I give it a 7.5. Jesus. That's much higher than I thought you were going. 
Hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, it does, like, as far as, like, setting up, like, major plot points of the series, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. This episode is probably pretty integral. Yeah. Integral. It's in, I don't know if it's, you're having this this uh, this experience, but a lot of times when you watch an episode that's like, oh, this sets up this thing, but it's not the best story, then in the first viewing you can be like, cool. And then when you go look back, it's yeah. like, well, I already know all this. Right, right. I mean, from a rewatchability standpoint, I'll just go ahead and give it a four and a half. Okay. It's the rare For one. Reasons. Lower. For reasons. All right. Uh, Battle Lines is the next episode, and I can't find a trailer for it. Battle Lines? Battle? With, uh, lines? Battle Lines. Um, does Tricor have it? Is that going to take too long? I mean, um, no, it won't take that long. Let me just check here. I think you guys, our crew, are also doing a great job. Okay. Oh, unavailable. The uploader has closed their YouTube account. Oh, what happened? What happened, guy? (laughs) A lady? (laughs) Download linked file? Let me see if I can do that. No, it's just going to give me an HTML file. Sorry, everyone. So that's what we'll watch next time. Battle lines. <laughs> don't forget <laughs> to write in. You've drawn your battle lines. <laughs> I don't know why we have to do something about these battle lines. Well, I'm certainly not going to do anything about these battle lines. Ah! Doctor. Ah! Oh, thank God. My nipples. Disengage. My nipples.